So I've got uh, my fourth journal here with me today, and uh, I might share from it today. We'll see how that goes. But um, I, uh, I just thought before I begin um, the message today, uh, just wanted to encourage you. Uh, we've been on this journey, I'd say, as a church, this, this journey of renewal for the last few years where we're just encouraging all of us to go deeper in Christ, um, to, to not just be content with scraps from his table, but to come to his banqueting table and to enjoy the feast that he has for us. But that means that we need to come and sit for a while. We need to linger. And uh, that's really been the journey of my life uh, the last few years. And, and I know that many of you have shared with me that there's been a deepening work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I just pray that that, that continues um, for you. Um, something else is, as a church, um, uh, we've been uh, planning quite a ways ahead in terms of our church calendar and all the things. So we've got things planned right till the end of next summer. But at the same time as I say that, we also want to kind of be flexible, you know, because God might have another plan. You know, we lay our plans, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevail, the Bible says. And, and, and so we, we have a plan, and, and, and we're organized, and we're thinking ahead and all that. But we just want to say, God, if you have something different, if somehow we've missed it, and, and, or if there's something in the moment or on any given week or month that you want to do something different, then we're open to that. But we have planned kind of a feast, hopefully, of sermons for you over, right through the end of next August, actually. Uh, and uh, the series that we're going to begin today and that I'm going to start is on Paul's letter to the Philippians. So um, how many of you know what the prison epistles are? Any, the prison epistles? Okay, so basically Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It almost sounds poetic. Can we all say it together? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Let's try it again. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Now, G-E-P-C, go eat popcorn. There you go. So you can, you can remember those. And those are called the prison epistles because Paul wrote them from, from prison. And the last one that he wrote... Uh, from a Roman jail cell in the city of Rome was Philippians. He wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. So th for 13 weeks, we're going to be talking about Paul's letter. Now, I only get to do, I think, five or six of those sermons. Uh, Pastor Blaine, uh, Alyssa, uh, Rose Brower Young, our district superintendent, and Rob Snow are going to take the other messages. So we've got it all kind of divided up, and we'll see what the Lord does with that. And we hope that it really is going to be a feast for you. So here's my encouragement to you, and this will be the takeaway at the end of the sermon too, one of them, is this week, would you read Philippians and meditate on it? I know that our men's Bible study group on Saturday morning is studying it, uh, but what I would encourage you to do this week, if you're, if you're like, you know, I don't know what to do my devotions in, uh, you know, I, I open my Bible, I never know where to start reading. Well, here's where you can start reading. Start reading Philippians. There's four chapters. It doesn't take that long. And, and then maybe, maybe the, uh, the Lord will, will 
maybe have a, a verse or a passage leap off the page at you, maybe you can stop and linger on that and, and maybe you can begin to meditate upon it and think about it and dwell on it and, and put it into practice. So anyway, I remember um, I had a, a number of telephone conversations uh, with Anthony Craig sitting over there. Anthony, there you go. I got his attention. He was sleeping. Um, but uh, anyway, just kidding. He wasn't sleeping. He was just looking down. Um, but anyway, Anthony and I, we were, we were talking some time ago, and I remember one, one day, uh, it was a couple of years ago, and I said, hey, Anthony, how's it going? How you doing? He goes, living the dream. Do you remember saying that? He said, living the dream, and he had tongue firmly in cheek when he said that. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, I called this sermon series, the whole series, The Good Life. And I was struggling with, well, how do you give a title to a whole sermon series? So when, when an author writes a book, like a Christian author writes a book, you know, a Christian book, they always have to figure out, what, what am I going to call this book? You know, and that's kind of not an easy thing to do. But I really felt led to call it The Good Life. The Good Life. In Philippians, the Apostle Paul is talking about how to live the good life. And now you're thinking that I've bought into the prosperity gospel, right? You're thinking, uh, Brian... Um, are you telling us that what the Apostle Paul is saying, that all of us as Christians can live the good life, a life of ease, a life of comfort, a life of material prosperity, a life that is absent of trouble, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous? Is that what Paul's talking about? Because you know what? He's got this theme of joy and rejoice all the way through it. Well, that's not at all what he's talking about. He's not talking about a self-centered life. He, he's not talking about a life that's void of suffering. What I mean and what I believe the Apostle Paul means by a good life is a life that is lived out of the goodness of God himself. For instance, if someone was to ask you, is so-and-so a good person? Now, how would you answer that question? Well, you would think about the character of that person, and do they have admirable qualities? Are they a person of virtue? Or do they have a lot of vices? Are they a good person to be around? Uh, are they kind? Are they generous? Are they compassionate? Do they put others' needs before their own needs, and so on and so forth? Well, basically, this is the good life. If you're living the good life, it means that you are living as a good person. And it means that you spread the goodness of God everywhere in your wake. It doesn't matter where you go. It's like Pastor Blaine likes to say, um, that you leave people better off than you found them. So by that definition, I want to ask you, are you living the good life? In the letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul characterizes the good life with these words. The good life is a life filled with joy it's a life filled with peace. It's a life filled with gratitude. And it's a life filled with contentment. How about you? Is your life filled with joy, peace, gratitude, and contentment? And you say, well, Brian, I've been through some real struggles lately. It's been hard. It's been tough. I've had some health challenges. I've had a lot of things happen in my life. But the Apostle Paul, in this letter to the Philippians, and I encourage you to read it this week, He's saying that he has experienced joy, peace, gratitude, and contentment no matter how severe the hardships or the suffering. 
So the good life is a life with Christ at the center. It's a life where Jesus himself is my very reason for existence. And I could, so, and he actually encapsulates it in this verse right here. This is going to come up on the screen. This is found in the first chapter. And this really is maybe the central verse of the entire letter where he says, for me, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, if I am to go on living, if I'm to live in this body, on this earth, in the here and now, it's all centered on Christ. He's the focus. He's the focal point of my life. If I was to die and leave this body, I will be in his presence. I'll be in the presence of God forever, eternally. And that's, it's a win-win proposition. So the, there's key words found in the letter to the Philippians. Joy, rejoice, um, the idea of peace, the idea of contentment are key themes throughout the letter to the Philippians. But there's another key theme in the letter to the Philippians, and that's the theme of suffering. So on the one hand, he's saying, you can have joy, you can have peace, and you can have contentment no matter what the circumstances, no matter how deep the suffering might be. Did Paul think that he was living a good life? Absolutely. And when you read the letter, it's obvious that he believed the life he was living was a good life. So we know some uh, historical characters, people like uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, South Africa, and we know that Mandela ended up, I think, in prison for 27 years. Uh, he was like a, a, a political prisoner, and, um, and he did not agree with apartheid in, in, in South Africa. And, and then he was freed, and then eventually after he was freed, he was an older man by this point, he became president of South Africa. What's interesting, if you were to ask him, are you living the good life? Have you lived the good life? Absolutely, because it's not about ease. It's not about prosperity. It's not about comfort. It's not about, you know, being void of suffering. He's, he, he lived a good life because he lived a life that was filled with meaning. And the best life that you could live is a life that is centered on Jesus Christ himself. And so I'm reading a book that uh, Alyssa, our youth pastor, gave me. And uh, it's called The Rare Leader, The Rare Leader. And R-A-R-E is an acronym. And it was interesting, the second R in the word rare is a, a leader should return to joy quickly. Because I, I have found that even in my own life, sometimes uh, when the chips are down, sometimes when I'm feeling a lot of pressure, when I get stressed out, you know, I find that I, I get into a negative mindset. And, um, and, 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 the question is, is can I return to joy quickly? Well, the Apostle Paul found a way, even in the midst of the most distressing circumstances, to return to joy. How do you return to joy when you're in a kind of a funk, when, you, when you're not feeling great? I'm going to ask you this morning, okay? How many of you this morning feel like you're depressed? Don't, don't, I don't want to know that. Please, don't tell me that. Uh, you know, you, maybe you came to church this morning and you're, you're feeling a little down. You're feeling kind of blue. You woke up and there was rain and there was snow. Um, 
and that sort of thing. And you know, winter's here just about here. Feel, winter's been here since September. And, and maybe you're feeling a little bit down about that. And, and, and so um, maybe you came here, you're a little bit blue, and you feel like, you know, I really need a lift. Well, here's the thing. All of us experience adversity. All of us experience suffering of some kind. And every single one of us, there's not one of us here today that could say that we have complete control of all the variables of our lives. We don't have complete control. Uh, Pastor Blaine uh, just mentioned this morning that Wally Mimko, he's one of our senior adults, 89 years old, uh, one of the regulars at Tea and Toast, you know, and uh, we would sit and have co- a lot of conversations with Wally. And, um, and uh, you know, he just seemed like a really healthy, young-looking 89-year-old gentleman. And he had a massive heart attack some weeks ago, and then he just had a massive stroke. And we don't know what we're going to be facing. And a stroke, even more than a heart attack, can change everything for us, you know? We, we could lose ability to speak, uh, to, to, to move our limbs, and, and so on. Pray for him. Uh, do pray for him. But I, how do we experience joy in circumstances like that? Uh, most of my life, I'd say most of my Christian life, uh, I'm a pretty upbeat guy. And uh, I, I've had, I think I've had a pretty good intellectual grasp of, of the good life as defined by the Bible. Just what I've preached to you, that's pretty easy for me to, to say from up here. It really is. Uh, this is. This is not hard. I can say this. Uh, but I don't think I've been really tested. I'm not sure that a lot of us in this room today have really had our faith deeply tested. So I'm going to say this. God is good? All the time? Yeah, some of you, again, you know, some people choke on that because they go, not with what I'm going through. I'm not going to say God's good all the time. The Apostle Paul, if he was here today, I believe he would have been shouting the loudest. Even from prison, he would have been saying, God is good all the time, no matter what the circumstances. Um, I wonder, would we be able to say with him, because he was, so I'm giving just kind of an overview of the book today, um, which is kind of one of the hardest things to do when you're preaching, is just kind of give an overview, like I'm not focused on any, pray for me, help me. Uh, This is really hard. Okay. Um, So the Apostle Paul wrote uh, this letter to the Philippians from prison. He started this church. It was actually the first church that he started on the continent of Europe. And he started it because he had a vision. They were trying to move into Asia, and, 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 and they said, he said, the Holy Spirit stopped us. We, nope, don't go there. And so he's sleeping at night, and he has this vision of a man from the province of Macedonia, Philippi's in Macedonia. And, and um, anyway, they had to cross the water to get there. And anyway, his, and, and this guy's saying, come over here. Preach to us. And so Paul thought, okay, I guess the Lord's telling us to go to Macedonia. So now they start the church in Europe. And they end up in Philippi. And everything starts out quite well when they go to Philippi. At the beginning, it starts out well. Uh, they, they go by this river outside the city gate, and there's a woman there called Lydia. And she's like a businesswoman, right? And anyway, she gets saved. And she becomes a follower of Jesus, and she invites him to stay at her place, him and Silas and all that. And so, but then... As they're walking around preaching the gospel, there's this girl who's demon-possessed. 
And she's shouting out all kinds of stuff. And finally, Paul can't take it anymore, and he drives the demon out of this girl. Well, all the fortune tellers who were exploiting her didn't like it. And what happened is Paul started a riot, not on purpose. So here's how you know that you're really living for, for God is when you can start a riot. You know, and, but Paul, Paul started a riot, but he didn't mean to. All he was trying to do was be faithful to God. And what happens is they're, they're taken by the authorities. They are beaten, and they're thrown into prison, him and Silas, and they're put in the kind of the stockades. You know, it's not, I don't think it would be that comfortable. And they didn't have plush seating and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and then it says around midnight they start singing hymns. Like, would you do that? If, if, you were th- if you were accused unjustly and you were doing your best to serve God and spread the gospel and you ended up in prison, would you say, well, thank the Lord that, you know, here I am, I'm in prison for Jesus. That's exactly what he did. And then he says this. He says this, and I, anyway, I'm going to go into this deeper in another week, but anyway, he says, because of my chains, because they were chained, he said, most of the brothers and sisters have been con- more confident in the Lord, uh, and he said, now they're preaching the gospel out there because I'm in here. Wow. It's great because other people have taken on the mantle of leadership here. And, he, and then he says, the important thing is not that I'm in prison for my faith. The important thing is that Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. And I will not be ashamed, because for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The apostle Paul knew what he was living for. Jesus Christ was at the very center of his existence. And so he could rejoice no matter how bad it got. Um, I don't think I've been tested as deeply. No, in fact, I know I haven't been tested as deeply as he's been. Could I do that? As I'm preparing this series, I've been thinking about that. Um, So my wife, Colleen, and I, uh, sometimes we've experienced, uh, you know, certain types of misfortune. Um, and I think I might have told this story once, but I remember when we were young, and I was a believer at this time, and I'm pretty sure we were at the Pink Lantern restaurant, and you know what story I'm going to tell? And we're at the Pink Lantern, and we just had this wonderful meal, Chinese food, you know, it was great. And then we go outside the restaurant. I, I, if memory serves me correctly, we were parked in the back alley. It was kind of out in the back of the restaurant. My car's out there, and it's pouring rain. Like, it's just raining uh, you know, cats and dogs, basically. And so we go out there. Of course, I don't have my raincoat or anything like that. I go out there, and I got a flat tire. Oh! And so anyway, open the trunk, and I can't remember what the problem was, but I think either we didn't have the, 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 the jack or something wasn't working right, and I'm out there, and I'm getting absolutely drenched trying to change this flat tire, and I'm getting madder and madder, and she gets the giggles. She somehow thinks this is funny. Like, how is this funny? Because, but you know what she's doing? She's taking a long-term perspective. She's thinking 10 years from now, we're going to look back. This is going to be a good story. And so I'm, I'm taking advantage of it right now. 
It's a great story. But you know what? If I cannot rejoice in something that small, come on. And I know that God has had to deepen my faith over the years to bring me to that place where if, I, if I'm going to sweat the small stuff all the time when this small stuff happens and things don't always go my way, if I don't always get the credit that I think I deserve, you know, if I don't always get the praise I think I deserve, if things don't always work out according to my plans, can I still rejoice? Because that, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this letter. And so here's the question, and here's the tension for us. So when you read the Bible, so I'm way off track. I don't even know if I'll get back to my notes. Okay. Um, it's dangerous when a pastor leaves his notes because the sermon could go on for a long time as he tries to find his way back. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. When I remember um, reading Philippians way back, because it's, it's one of the most positive books of the Bible in the whole Bible. Um, you know, Lamentations is probably the most downer book in the Bible. That's why it's called a lament. It's called Lamentations. But Philippians is just upbeat. It's positive, optimistic. And I'm like, really? Like, is this really possible? I mean, I mean Paul's saying... No matter what the circumstances, this is in chapter 4, the last chapter of that letter, even if I'm well-fed or hungry, if I'm living in plenty or if I'm living in need, I have learned the secret of how to be content no matter what. Now, you, many of you, any, those of you that are really familiar with this, you know this passage, right? But then what we do, and what I tend to do, is we look and say, well, that was Paul. He just, he was a giant in the faith. But I'm just, I'm just little old me. You know, that, that's kind of inspiring. But you know what? He didn't write that just to be inspiring. He didn't. He wrote that, yes, to be inspiring, but he wrote it to be an example. So look at this. And uh, I'm way off my notes. Okay. So listen to this. Got to get my glasses. Hang on. Bear with me. Okay. He says here, Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think about such things. What are you going to think about all day long? Think about those things that are excellent or worthy of praise. And then he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you want the God of peace to be with you today? Because if you want the God of peace to be with you, Paul is saying basically, uh, he said, follow my example. Whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen in me, whatever you've received from me, put it into, don't just say, oh, wow, Paul was a giant in the faith. Look at that. Even in the worst of situations, he could still be content and say rejoice. No, he wrote this to be an example. He wrote it to be an example to us. And to say, yes, it is possible. And, and, and I, here's where I believe the devil wants to trip us up. He'll plant the seed thought in your mind that is just Pollyanna-ish. It's just pie in the sky by, that doesn't work. He'll plant that seed in your mind. It doesn't work. It does work. And I can tell you now that God has helped me, and I don't even know if my wife has noticed, but 
But I do live with greater joy than I ever have in my life. I really do. And I have to tell you, for me, I'm tr- I, my attitude now, and I invite you to, to share in this, is, Lord, um, I have a long ways to go to get to that level of faith. Um, and I have not been tested as much as many of the people in the Bible that we read about have. But I want to be able to say with Paul, um, I want to know him, Christ, and I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings so that just as he was raised from the dead, I too will be raised to a new life. Um, I want to welcome that. I, I, I want to have this attitude that says no matter what, it's okay. God is in control. And so I, to do that, I have to spend time with God every day. Honestly, I really, really do. Um, I cannot make it. So there was a time when I had my devotions. Well, first of all, you, you, know, you know what I mean when I say have your devotions. I'm talking about taking time, hopefully a specific time and place every day where you read your Bible, where you pray, where you meditate upon Scripture, you know, all that kind of stuff. And for me, it's in the morning. And, uh, but, but, you know, um, there was a time when, number one, I didn't do it a lot. There was a time when I skipped, you know. There was a time then when I did it quite regularly, but I did it out of guilt and, and, and kind of legalism, you know, like, I got to do it. Oh, okay, I got to do my devotions or I'm going to feel guilty all day if I don't do my devotions, you know. Now, on, honestly, for me, it's like I know when I'm hungry, you know. I know when I'm hungry, you know, stomach starts growling, you know, and I, you know, and I get hangry and... Uh, and I, 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 st- I know when I'm hungry. And it's like the Holy Spirit has now said, Brian, I'm going to let you know when you need to feed on the Word of God and spend time with me. And so now I'm at this place where I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That's the secret, folks, is to, is to spend time in His presence and... Uh, Allow the Lord to deepen our faith in Jesus. And so, yes, it is possible to experience joy, peace, gratitude, and contentment no matter how bad it may get. Um, So Rob Snow is going to preach on Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11 uh, on the first Sunday of December. And it was what we call the kenosis passage. And kenosis is a Greek word that means emptying. And, uh, and so it's interesting, this, uh, this passage of Scripture, verses 5 to 11, chapter 2, is, um, is uh, some scholars call it a poem. Some say it's kind of like a Christian hymn. But it's all about Jesus. And it says, although he was God equal with God. He didn't consider equality with God something to grasp onto. But he emptied himself. And he took on the form of a man. He became a man. He took on flesh. And he became a servant. And he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. And it's really interesting. That 
kenosis passage where Christ empties himself. And he's God, but he becomes flesh. He becomes a man. He takes on a lowly form of a human being and becomes a servant. You know when he washed his disciples' feet? That was an object lesson for us. That was like he was saying, it was a lived-out parable where he was saying, what I've done for you in washing your feet and taking the role of a servant, you do that for the rest of your life. But his whole life was about that. But in verse 5 of that passage in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul says, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. He was God, but he left heaven came to earth, took on flesh, became a man, became a servant, humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. He says, you do the same thing. Have this mind in you. Have this attitude, the same attitude. The whole letter of Philippians is to say, follow the example of Jesus. In chapter 2, he talks about two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he holds these two men up as examples. He says, I'm going to give you examples of two men who have walked in humility, and who have served faithfully, not thinking about themselves, but putting others first. Follow their example. And then he offers himself in chapter 3 as an example of humility. And and that's why he can say later on in chapter 4, he can say, whatever you've seen in me, heard from me, received from me, put it into practice. And so, What I would like you to do this week is just read through Philippians. Stop along the way. If you're if you're on a if you go, how many of you like to hike? How many of you like to hike or just go for walks into interesting places? So if you're walking along, and sometimes if you've never been there for you're walking along, and if you're with my wife, it takes a long time because she stops to smell the roses. You know, so she'll she'll be walking along, and um, we'll be, and then she'll stop. Oh, look at that. You know, and then we're stopping, and she's looking at the flowers, and, you know, and, and, but that's really kind of like a metaphor for how we need to live life, right? Um, that's really what it's all about. So, I think, I forget why I said that. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, that's okay. Okay. Here's the thing. Is this is all offered to us as an example. Oh, yeah. By the way, when you're reading, yes, when you're reading Philippians, stop to smell the roses along the way. Sometimes you're going to be reading, and, and uh, you're going to hit on. So here's, here's the thing. Suppose, how many of you, oh, no, I don't want to embarrass you. I was going to say, how many of you have never read Philippians? You, no, it's okay. But I'm sure there's somebody here who's never read the Bible, uh, or maybe who's never read Philippians, but it's in the New Testament, Okay. And uh, it's only four chapters. At the beginning, there's a table of contents. So if you don't know your way around. Anyway, you get to chapter 3. Where's my glasses? Okay. Um, Okay, here we go. So so you're reading along, you know, and you're going, okay, that's good, you know. And then you come across something like this. He says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. It's garbage. It's dung. It's waste. Everything that I ever had going for me 
compared to the value of knowing Christ and being identified with him, it's nothing. It means nothing to me. Now, suppose you're reading through Philippians. You read chapter 1, chapter 2, and then you get to this chapter, chapter 3, and then let's suppose those words grab you. And they go, whoa. Like, what does he mean by that? Like, stop. Stop at that point. Maybe memorize those verses and meditate upon that. Maybe turn to some other Bible translations because, you know, we got the, fo- the fancy phones now and you can have the app, right? The, and you could do that. What I want to encourage you to do is live into Philippians over the next 16 weeks. We're going to take a little break from Philippians at Christmas, but we're going to be doing 13 weeks just in this letter. I want to end by encouraging you and challenging you. Um, would you memorize, if you just go back on the slide, Jeannie, uh, this verse? Could, I think everybody could memorize this, and we could just try it out loud. Philippians 1.21. I think it really is central to the whole book. Because everything that you read, when he's talking about joy, no matter what, contentment, no matter what, peace that passes understanding, that you can have a sense of peace even in the most desperate of situations, um, how is that possible? Well, it all stems from this. And let's just try this together. Can we all say it out loud, please? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then say the, te- the, the reference, Philippians 1.21. So when you're memorizing, say the reference, Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, Philippians 1.21. I, I bookend it, you know. Uh, but if you just do that, meditate on that, maybe read it in different translations. And then I just want to lead us in a prayer this morning. And uh, then we're going, I'm going to have the worship team, Steve, and the worship team to please come uh, while I lead us in this prayer. And they're going to uh, sing us out today. We're going to sing one last song together, Amazing Grace. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you that... You have spoken to us so clearly, uh, convincingly, through the Scriptures. And you continue to speak through them today. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But we know, Lord, that you speak through the Word, as the Holy Spirit illuminates it to our minds, to our hearts. And I pray that that would happen this week, Lord, that as we together as a congregation, as many of us will be reading through Philippians and stopping along the the, the way to to linger on certain passages um, and maybe memorizing them, meditating upon them, and say, Lord, what does this mean for me? I pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us understanding. And help us, Lord, not just to look at Paul as a giant in the faith and say, well, good for him. But may we be prepared to say, I want to follow his example as he followed the example of Jesus Christ himself. And would you say this prayer with me? And you could pray silently. The Lord knows your thoughts, but... I would just like you to pray with me. If, if this is resonating with you, and if you want to know, know joy, peace, gratitude, 
and contentment, no matter what. If you want to go deeper in that no matter what experience of life, that your, your happiness, your contentment, your sense of well-being doesn't depend on everything that's going on around you, but it's found in Christ. That's not, that's not something that we can just work up. It's a gift that God can give you to have that kind of faith. If that's what you want today, would you say these words with me? Lord, show me that living the good life means being a good person, a person of faith who centers my life around Jesus, that Jesus is not just the spice of life. He's the meal. That, that he's not just something added on. He's the very substance of my life. Help me, Lord, to experience your goodness and then to spread your goodness around to everyone in my wake. Show me, Lord, in the difficult times how to return to joy. Teach me never to complain. Never to complain but to rejoice always and to be content no matter what's happening to me. Help me to remember that my life is not my own. It belongs to Christ. And by your grace, I determine not to be ashamed of the gospel and not to be ashamed if I suffer for the gospel or if I'm persecuted for the gospel, but to count it a privilege to share in the sufferings of Christ if I'm called upon to do so. Help me to remember that I'm here to do your will and not my own. Forgive me for thinking that Jesus is nothing more than an add-on to my life. May I be able to testify with Paul for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Holy Spirit, may you give me the mind of Christ and teach me humility, gratitude, joy, and contentment, no matter what the circumstances. And teach me how to return to joy quickly, because I'm living my life heavenward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.